This is Tech Talk Today, episode 273. Welcome into Tech Talk Today. I'm Chris. And I'm Angela. And I'm Noah. Hey there, Brown Bear. Good to have you along today. Thanks for letting me join. It's been a while since you've been on the Tech Talk Today program. Many a, many a, many a ages before a reboot even. Right. Yeah, I was going to say not since the reboot. Yeah, but you're you're here to rip apart our studio and then nominally to go to Linux Fest Northwest. I think more for ripping apart the studio this trip more than ever, though. And we've been doing it. Uh, This is actually our first show post a whole bunch of studio stuff. We'll We'll talk about that later in the show. Let's get into the news, starting with a follow-up on a story we've now been covering for three episodes. Telegram's great ban in Russia. Google now confirms that some of its own services are getting blocked by this Russian ban, and uh, that is affecting Google Search, Gmail, push notifications for Android apps, and other products are being affected. And Google says they're aware of the issues and are investigating these reports. Hmm. I just think that's really interesting that Russia is going to block all the services. Like, you'd think the, the citizens would be pretty mad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Can't, and well, can't check my Gmail. Like, that's one thing, right? Telegram. But then when you start taking out email services and Amazon services, it just looks so, so amateur hour. Yeah. Like, what a bunch of amateurs. Uh, and Russia, of course, isn't going to be the only country that's ever going to give this a shot. Nope. Uh, so far, Telegram's cloud partners, like Google and Amazon, have so far seemed to held strong. They uh, are not capitulating to the Russian government. And uh, so far, Telegram is sticking with them because of it. We'll see what happens. Um, this is kind of a funny quote, I thought. I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't catch who it was from, but it was, Russia can't just keep blocking random things on the internet. They're going to have to come around eventually. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, North Korea has made it for a long know, time. Right? China seems to be doing a pretty good job of it. Maybe they can keep it up. I, <laughs> I find this uh, fascinating because we have this detached perspective, right? It's not affecting us, but yet it still matters. And it's using it, but it is impacting services we all use. So this is interesting to watch what happens here because you could you could totally see something like this happening here eventually. Yeah. So I, I do I follow it with uh, with some amount of fascination, uh, and so far, could you imagine Noah how screwed you'd be if Telegram had got banned here? Like, say the U.S. federal government came down, Comey gets good, uh, James Comey becomes president, all encryption in the United States is banned, and uh, Telegram is now out because they won't they won't give over the keys. You'd be you'd be in a world of hurt. You know the problem is uh, you know I would just obviously take a digital ocean droplet set it up somewhere and vpn into it the problem is then everybody else would be off of it right so what i really my concern here with russia is like it's not necessarily the russian people like they'll find something else to to get on i assume but what might not happen is people in the united states that want to talk to their family or friends or whoever in russia or you know people in germany or wherever else they can't communicate with those people yeah that's a good point too all right well there was an interesting story this week From the folks at Valve. Uh, Valve has acquired the Firewatch developer, the sort of well-known game. It's Campo Santo, I think is how you say their name. And they're already working on a, on a game called The Valley of the Gods. But the bigger story here is Valve has recently come out, including Mr. Gabian himself. Gabe Newell has said that Gabe, Gabe from up high on Gabe Mountain said uh, that Valve is getting back to the business of making and shipping games. And this appears to be uh, the first major purchase to get them back on track of 
the business of making games. So a lot of people sent this one into the show, which we don't normally get a lot of stories submitted. So I, there seemed to be a lot of interest. So In the Valley of the Gods is still planned to be released, but now it's going to be released as a Valve game. The decision to join Valve came after a series of long conversations, according to a blog post by the game developer. The team's going to continue to work on their games, the ones they want, but under the Valve umbrella. The thing that's interesting about this story is Firewatch went big, and you know this little small independent developer shop made a ton of money on their first major game. Like, their first big game went gangbusters. So they weren't really in a position of, like, having to be hired. You know, they didn't. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't really needing this. So we could see some really cool games come out of this. If you ever want to just, like, have a really chill, fun game that's kid-friendly, at least as far as I played it, and it's a fun adventure, check out Firewatch. Firewatch is is pretty cool, and it, it'll work on Linux, and it'll work on, on your Macintoshes and on your Windows boxes as well. So it's Firewatch. You right over there? You okay? Yeah, sorry. I'm just dying. dying? It's okay. Yeah, I know. It's still early. I'm dying me. with my mic off, though, so I feel like that's acceptable. It's better. It's better. It's better. There are um, ways to improve your quality of life that may help you focus back on your health, and Amazon wants to solve those for you. Amazon just has your best interest in mind. <laughs> I'm sure. First, they got your lady tubes. Then they got all your shipments. Now, here's the thing. What they don't have is a robot in your house, but Amazon would like to. And this is not probably the biggest story this this week so far. I, I, I'm sure by the end of the week, we'll look back and go, oh, that was cute. But today, as we record Tech Talk today, everybody is talking about Amazon's new top secret plans that have been leaked to build home robots. What's kind of also interesting, the background of the story is it's being reported on by Mark Gurman, who is famous for getting really good Apple leaks. Well, this leak is coming from a division inside Amazon based out of California, and somebody leaked to Mark. The important thing is that we don't actually know what it's going to look like, what exactly it's going to do, but what we do know is that Amazon is working on some kind of home domestic robot that is separate from its already extensive work in warehouse and manufacturing robotics. Mm. How will it be different from, say, an I mean, I presume this robot will be able to carry things, bring you things. We're not sure. I mean, we're, we don't know if what size it will be, what it will be able to do. But, you know, there are job postings and there have been hirings of, of experts who focus on sort of sensing, um, you know, sensors, processing, that kind of thing. So it, it will be able to move around the home, perhaps to rooms where you don't already have an Echo or an Amazon. It's codenamed Vesta, and it's being developed by Lab 126, which is the hardware and research development division that's based in Sunnydale, California. Lab 126 is responsible for the Echo speakers themselves, the Fire TV, even like the Fire Phone and the tablets. So sort of the more famous and more recent Amazon stab-in-the-dark kind of hardware products came out of this Lab 126. So the idea is this thing moves around, around your house, using LiDAR and cameras to map the house so it doesn't bump into things. And then uh, whenever you need to order condoms from Amazon, it's just right (laughs) behind you to get the job done. All I can think of is danger, Chris Fisher. (laughs) (laughs) Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Yeah, really? I'm only two episodes into Lost in Space. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if the robot, like, goes, crazy, you know, causes issues or whatever, Mm. but I've heard that... It's not so much the robot you need to be worried about. It's that Dr. Smith. Well, yeah. Gosh, I hate her character. I just don't like her as a person. Hadia can't watch... Hadia got to four episodes, or on episode four had to bail because of Dr. Smith. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, that might be me, too. (laughs) Because I had... I just finished episode two, and yeah. Yeah, it was like... 
all right. She's like, this is your show. I'm out. <laughs> she creeps me out too much. Yep. Uh, so this is all coming from people, quote, familiar with the matter, who speculate that the Vesta robot, which is a Greek god, could be the name of Greek god, could be based on this mobile Echo accompanying product. It would follow you around. The prototypes of the robots have been built already. They have advanced cameras, computer vision software, and they have a former Apple executive, Max Paley, which we're getting an actual name here, uh, leading the work on the computer vision. Amazon's also hired specialized mechanical engineers from the robotics industries, and they have a whole batch of job openings in California for roboticists, and uh, they project, Amazon and others project, that the consumer market for robots will be $15 billion a year by 2023. So that's why they're getting into this. It's Vespa? Or Vesta, it's or Vesta. V, v okay. yeah, yeah. If you if you're probably familiar with Greek mythology, you probably, mm. but uh, yeah, I, I'm not, so I'm mispronouncing it. I'm sure. What about uh, you, Brown Bear? This seems like this is just totally right up your alley. You've got a dot in every room, right? Yeah, no, yeah, right. No, we were talking about this the other day. I mean, there's there are more secure clouds, there are less secure clouds. We can evaluate the uh, we can evaluate the motives behind the cloud you know company, but at the end of the day, if it relies on a service that goes through the internet. Uh, it's it's a cloud, and I'm just not going to my house. Mm. So yeah, Vesta out. No, no, ah. no. Well, surprise, surprise. Noah's not a big fan of the robot assistant. Not uh, not too shocking there. I'll tell you about what I'm a fan of: Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com/slash/unplugged. I was just watching their live stream today as they launched new content. They are really going nuts with all kinds of stuff. Crazy Linux Academy is blowing out the doors. I tell you, they are grown too. Uh, Anthony said on their live stream now they have 90 full-time employees. Wow. Yeah. And th- th- so this month alone, they're cranking out 20 new courses, 50 new cloud assessments, new hands-on learning activities, new challenges. One that I thought was really cool, uh, along with um, some Elastic stuff and some Amazon stuff and all these other things. I'm like, oh, neat, 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 neat. Good stuff. Everybody wants to learn that. System D essentials. Like deep dive, learn System D top to bottom. It's just one of those things where you could spend a few hours and you just know that thing in and out. You know, it's not going to take you a week to learn it. You can get some great, well-written course material by instructors that are there to help you if you have any questions. It's perfect for that kind of stuff. Linux Academy has a whole range of series of content, stuff that'll take you days and days and days and stuff that'll take you 15 minutes. So no matter how much time you have, Linux Academy can help you. In fact, they have a schedule availability tool that'll work with you and your busy schedule. So that's great if, you, I don't know, you're a parent or maybe you got a full-time gig and you still want to push your career forward, they'll work with you on that. It's all built in. Six cloud servers will spin up on demand, hands-on labs and exercises, and in-depth training if you want to go for certifications. And... Your membership gets you access to all of it, including all of the new content they're rolling out. It's all just part of the membership. It's pretty great. And you can sign up for a free seven-day trial and kick the tires. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. No one likes Windows 8, but it turns out there was one cool thing that they did. I like this. I had to put this in the show. Microsoft developers hid this secret puzzle in the Windows backgrounds as they released different builds of Windows 8. So in the past, they would have like these really scary, like federal warning messages about software that is unauthorized for use. And the developers, as time went on, realized like that's pretty ineffective. So let's have a little fun. And so what they did is the team created a series of images in the different backgrounds of the different beta builds. And when you put them all together, it actually made a full picture. 
Ah. And not many people went to the trouble of figuring sure. this out, as you can imagine. Uh, but these were only done with builds that were supposed to be internal builds. But people on the outside started putting the puzzle together, which indicated that the builds were indeed leaking. So mm -hmm. they accomplished both goals of tracking leaked builds a little bit and also having some fun with it. So over the course of numerous builds, the puzzles were developed, uh, but only one person in the public ever posted it, this, the solution, publicly. And then they were arrested. No, <laughs> no it's actually, and it just happened recently. Over, oh. over this last weekend, Jensen Harris, a former group program manager of Microsoft Office and the Microsoft director leading the team working on the redesign of Windows 8, took to Twitter to come clean about the secret puzzle. He explained that it was common for these internal test builds of Windows to have these wallpapers, and they thought nobody would actually ever notice it in the public. It was just sort of an internal joke. But indeed, Easter eggs are rich with tradition, and Microsoft on their own right, is sort of famous for a lot of Easter eggs. In fact, a little bonus link, techtalk.today slash 273. I'll put a link to the Wikipedia article that sort of documents as many that we know about. But my favorite Microsoft Easter egg of all time was in Office 95. And you gotta you got to conceptualize, Office 95, you installed it on floppy disks. Mm -hmm. This is a long time ago. These programs were really small, and every bit mattered. But Excel in Office 95 contained a hidden Doom-like minigame called The Hall of Tortured Souls. And if you knew the right process of order, you could actually launch like a Doom 3D game inside Excel <laughs> in Office 95. So helpful. <laughs> no, that's really cool. <laughs> it was actually neat. Uh, Microsoft Excel in Office 97, though, contained a flight simulator game. Ooh. Not very complicated, but like a flight simulator game. Uh, and Word had a pinball game, and Access had a hidden simulator of the Magic Eight Ball toy game. So it's sort of they have a they have a long tradition. We'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. Hey Chris, you know why I'm a Telegram user? Why's that? Because drug dealers use WhatsApp. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is coming from The Verge. A WhatsApp drug dealer was convicted using the fingerprints taken from a photo of his hand. That's how good, and it was from a smartphone camera. That's how good these cameras Creepy. are gotten. Yeah. Yeah. This is coming out of South Wales. A, a drug dealer was arrested based on a WhatsApp message with a photograph of the dealer's hand holding an assortment of pills. <laughs> right? Like, look what I got. Yeah. You know, like, you want some of these? <laughs> Taking a picture of it. Despite the photo only offering just a glimpse of a small part of the dealer's fingerprints, which aren't entirely useful on their own, but forensic scientists looked at them and were able to match them up with fingerprints they had on file, and it was used in part of his conviction. Okay, so here's where my law brain goes next. If I'm that drug dealer, if I'm that drug dealer's lawyer, you know what the next thing I'm calling into question? Who's to say those pills in the photograph are actually drugs? Right, yeah. How do you know? I don't know if they're using the pills as evidence. They're using his fingerprint just to show that they have that same fingerprint and other stuff that is damning evidence. That's the thing. I see. But that only ties that fingerprint. Yes. That just means that yes. that guy is in yes. possession. That's why it's just part of, of it. But it, it is interesting how they can use. So you imagine just what I what it made me think of is all the things our phones collect about us. Mm -hmm. Like you and I right now have each other on an app where we can track each other's location while you're in town. Right. And when I look at that, I can see like every time you use your phone while you're driving around. And I can see when you've <laughs> accelerated hard or, you know, you brake hard because it's using the accelerometer in your phone to detect sure. all of that. <laughs> And so, like, these phones are, like, information-gathering tricorders on us. And now the camera, too. Like, you take a picture of your hand, they can, they can zoom in. They can zoom and enhance on that sucker. Yep. Enhance pants vector D7. I belong to some Facebook groups uh, about different health issues and people that have dishydrotic eczema, which is due to nickel allergy and other things that I have. When they post pictures of their hand with the rash on it, 
that's always a comment is you really shouldn't have your fingerprints, you know, posted on the Internet. Now it turns out it's more than paranoia. It's true. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, pretty soon. What about your face? (laughs) What about when your face is unlocking stuff? Yeah, it's already happening. This is the first conviction in Wales based on fingerprints from a photo. Wow. I don't know about anywhere else. I I would imagine that's probably the first conviction in the world of fingerprints based on a photo. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We are living in a Minority Report style, uh, enemy of the state type type of movie. Remember that enemy of the state, Will Smith movie? One of my favorite movies. It's worth a rewatch if you out there listening haven't watched it recently. Damn, is that not on point these days? It's really something. That Will Smith. You know, he's a vlogger now? No. Yeah, he makes makes movies on YouTube. He says he's doing vlogs. He says he got away from trying to be Will Smith so that he could be the real Will Smith. Wow. And you know that the worst part is they're decent. They're, act, they're actually <laughs> the kind of part. well. Look at his budget, though. I, I know. I, I know. just that... watched Hancock. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, that's fun. So I've been watching Will Smith on YouTube. <laughs> can't even believe wow. what I can't even believe these things these days. All right, so this is a story that Angie and I've been wanting to talk about for a little bit because tell me if this isn't going to be the most useful thing ever. It is like a Wikipedia for terms of services, um, and it's it's really well done by a couple of actually three gentlemen that uh, were were. Initially discussing how terms of services can change on websites and services that we all use, cloud services, and there's no notification to the end user. You know, they can make dramatic data privacy changes to their terms of service, and you agreed to that sucker two years ago, and they just changed it last month. You've got no idea. And so they got together at the Chaos Communications Camp in Germany. You know, that, that, that event that gets together, like talking with a few other people, started talking to a designer and said, well, how can we solve this problem? See, well, really, the problem is nobody reads the TOSs. And so they're like, well, we need to build a tool to solve that. And it's called TOSDR, Terms of Service Did Not Read. And it's a combination of a website. Isn't this good? It's great. It's really great. Yeah. Give me the important stuff, not the legal legal lawyer stuff that I don't actually care about. Yeah, yeah. And what's cool is they've broken it down to like grades, right? It's like A, B, and F or something like Do you remember what the grading is? It's emoticons. Yeah, and they combine it with emoticons too. So they got like thumbs up and thumbs down. And and now we're speaking Noah's language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, oh, here's what it is. It's uh, from very good, which is class A, to very bad, which is class E. And so Google ranks as a class C. Uh, SoundCloud is a class B. GitHub is a class B. DuckDuckGo, class A. GitHub yeah. is a gla- is a class B. What is it that what makes it class B? Yes. So they break that up for you. Uh, you don't get uh, you. Uh, so for the GitHub one for class B, you don't grant any copyright license to GitHub. That's a good thing. But on the negative side, changes can happen in their TOS anytime without any notice to you. So they have no notification policy, and. Um, you have to defend any indemnity of GitHub, which I, I don't know what that means exactly. Your personal information will only be used for limited purposes, which is a thumbs up, but your account can be suspended and your data can be deleted anytime with zero notification. So that's a thumb, thumbs down. Well, so, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that we have something like this. And I'm further glad that they are taking it that seriously. But I mean, what makes a class A? Well, just, yeah. The only thing they have labeled right now as a class A on this particular service is DuckDuckGo. That's the only yeah, one. Yeah, and see, see that to me, that seems like a cop out because it doesn't require an account. If you don't have to sign up uh, on an account, it's easy not to collect personal information uh-huh. or violate terms. Of, we don't even really need a terms of service right. for a one way thing. Yeah, I see your point there. Like class A seems like almost impossible to reach, but but at the same time, uh, that is still worth knowing. Like if the if the terms of service can change or if they keep an information on you, maybe that does make them a B. Yeah, I, I guess my point, and you're right. I just I guess my point is that when you have to log into an account, the fact that there are no class A's probably means it's just not a sustainable business model <laughs> for somebody to have 
allow you to create accounts and maintain a classy status. But like I prefaced with, I'm glad that they go that strict. I'm glad that they go that deep. If there ever right. is somebody that comes up, we'll know about it then. So this is crowd uh, crowdsourced, I should say. A core group of people that are contributing to it, but then other people can contribute to it. And there's another cool component, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can actually get a browser extension. And so that when you're at a website, you can just click it down. Well, you can see a, like a preview of what its overall rating is, but then you click it down and it describes each of the terms of yeah. service. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Facebook is going to be a, like a big offender, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's no big surprise there. But you go to Facebook and it'll say it has very broad copyright license for your content. It warns you about tracking you on other sites when you leave Facebook. And yeah. it gives you good, clear, plain English on why that's bad. Um, uh, but Facebook actually gets a, a, a thumbs up that they let you uh, make comments on Facebook terms of service changes before they go into effect. So they get a thumbs up on that one. But otherwise, Facebook doesn't do too well. And I like this because when it changes, the next time I go back to that website, it does notify me if there's been a terms of service change. Oh, okay. So I've been using it over the weekend, and one of the sites I use had a TOS change. Sucker popped up and told me about it. So that's kind of cool, too. And then every, and if you go to a website that isn't in the database, you just right there in your URL bar, they add like an extra little button. You tap it, and you can start contributing what you know about the terms of service to it. And sort of, again, like Wikipedia, it's, it's crowdsourced. Mm -hmm. TOSDR. TOSDR. Terms of service didn't read. And you can go to TOSDR.org, or you'll find a link in the show notes. Hey, look, everybody. It's Angela Fisher. Well, I have something fun today. Oh, lay it on us. Yeah, a little bit of uh, contribution from the community. Mm. I want you to explain your profession badly. Oh. Like, as bad as you can. Like okay. just, and, you know, it might be kind of difficult for us to know what exactly you do, but th it's going to be so comical. You can tweet us. I'm at Angers. At Chris LAS. At Kernalytics. You can tweet any of us, or you can go to techtalk.today forward slash contact to so, submit it. So the so the mission is explain your profession or your job mm -hmm. as poorly as possible. Yes. Can you give me an example? Yeah. So, for example. For you. Give me you. Yeah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> this is just one aspect of my job, of course, you know, because I am a mom. But I record discussions with my ex-husband, Chris, and then publish it for the entertainment of the world. <laughs> <laughs> How true is that? Uh, what about you, Brown Bear? Do you have an idea of what your profession explained badly is? Uh, let's see here. I would say I walk around in various states of a boiling rage while frantically Googling customers' problems only to determine that the only course of action is to reinstall the entire OS from scratch. <laughs> Just so you can get back and podcast as soon as possible. <laughs> about it? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, boy, I, boy, I don't have any—mine are not nearly that good. I'd say mine is, off the top of my head— uh, I am maybe not so well attempting to harness my ADD into something good by podcasting, running the board, running the recorder, driving yeah. show. Oh, wait, I like that. That, yeah. that. that sounds like ADD. I know it is. Yeah. That is what I, I'm harnessing my ADD for. Okay, better. okay, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do with, the, right. with my job. <laughs> so uh, you heard us mention at the top of the show, Linux Fest Northwest is coming up. It's going this weekend. I don't know if we're going to have a regular later show this week because things jam up, but we are going to have a live show at Linux Fest. So that should be a lot of fun. It's always a good time to do that. Tech Talk could be could be good time at Linux Fest Northwest. We got people coming in. Alan Jude lands in a couple of days. We just got air mattress set up for Alan. You gotta you know you gotta roll out the air mattress for the Canadians. They expect a certain level of luxury, and Jupiter Broadcasting is determined to provide an air mattress for Alan Jude. So that's all coming up. We have all kinds of fun things in the pipe. So stick around. Go to techtalk.today slash subscribe for all the ways to get this show every single week. Go get more Noah at the Ask Noah program, asknoahshow.com. 
Get more Andrews at Andrews on the Twitter. And I'm going to randomly plug TechSnap, techsnap.systems with Mr. West Payne and I for your weekly systems network and administration podcast needs. And if you want to contact the show, go to techtalk.today forward slash contact. Remember, I want to hear your profession explained badly. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you later this week. <laughs>